Welcome to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, Dr. Nicole from Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Hi, Dr. Nick here. Clinical nutritionist, Brooke. I am Dr. Kyle. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, you are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. I am Dr. Nicole, and I am currently here with... Brooke, the clinical nutritionist from Integrative Wellness Group. Welcome back to another uh, podcast on IWG Radio. So uh, so today we're actually going to dive into talking a little bit about uh, the epidemic of thyroid issues that is currently affecting a lot of Americans. So uh, I think that it's a very common conversation that, that happens, um, you know, meeting friends, meeting family and, and discussing, you know, maybe different things coming up in, in their current life. And a lot of times uh, we are having a conversation about, you know, having a lack of energy or maybe having some inability to lose weight and that there was a recent diagnosis of a thyroid problem. I just find that nowadays it's not only just, you know, women maybe in their in their 40s and their 50s, it's happening at a younger and younger age. So there are women that are getting put on these thyroid medications, you know, at, at 15 years old is, you know, one of the, the youngest cases that I've seen. So we really want to dive in and, and discuss, is this truly just a thyroid issue or, you know, or the classification of, you know, hypothyroid versus hyperthyroid, or is this something that is associated with autoimmunity? So with that being said, there are some very distinct things that will differentiate the two. So we're just going to dive in and, and give you some more information about how you can really figure out, are you currently dealing with hypothyroid, which is an underactive thyroid, or are you truly dealing with an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's disease? I'm glad that you brought up the medication because even before I was really practicing nutrition or functional medicine, I had a handful of friends and even family members that were suffering from hypothyroid and even a friend of mine that was suffering from a hyperthyroid. And I think one of the biggest stigmas is that when you begin taking the medication, you have to take this medication forever. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty detrimental, especially now that it's being diagnosed at a much younger age. You know, is a, a girl turning into a woman going to have to take this medication for the next 50, 60, 70 plus years? And really, how is that going to be affecting their health as well? So I'm glad that you brought that up too, and we could talk even a little more about that towards the end. Definitely. But let's really get into talking about what happens in the body when you're having this response of a, a hypothyroid or a hyperthyroid? Sure. Um, so just so you understand a little bit about kind of the, the organs that are involved here is the thyroid is obviously a very important organ that is going to regulate your energy. It's going to regulate your body temperature. It's going to regulate your metabolism. But in reality, your thyroid is part of an entire axis, and it's part of the axis that includes your hypothalamus, which is in your brain. So we all know the brain is very powerful and that the brain essentially signals to the organs and tells them how to function. So the hypothalamus in the brain will signal to your adrenal glands and your thyroid. So the adrenals are the other part of this axis. So think of adrenals, think of adrenaline. 
So your adrenals, one of the primary roles that they play is they pump out stress hormones, one of them being adrenaline. They also pump out other stress hormones as well, but for sake of simplicity, I'll keep it at that. Um, the other thing that your adrenals will also produce is going to be your sex hormones. So you have now your brain, which is your hypothalamus that signals to the adrenals, and then also signals, signals to your thyroid, and then you also have the other part of this access, which is the fourth organ system, which is your reproductive organs. So in reality, the whole access is controlling your energy, your body temperature, your metabolism, but then it also plays a very big role in your stress levels and then also your sex hormones. So it's a very complicated process or, or, or very complicated system, but the, the point that I want to make is that if you have a thyroid problem, chances are you have problems in those other parts. You might be having issues with your hormones. You might be having issues with the level of stress hormones that your body is pumping out or issues with your cortisol levels, which is the other component of your stress hormones. Um, or you might even have some issues in, in the, or I'm sorry, in the hypothalamus. Um, also the pituitary gland is part of the hypothalamus. So the reason why I even want to have a focus a little bit on the hypothalamus is because there's two primary things that are produced from there. So TSH. And I think that if you are relating to anything that we're talking about with thyroid issues or hypothyroid, hyperthyroid, at some point, a physician, an endocrinologist ran your TSH. Sometimes they will say that you have hypothyroidism based off of having low amounts of T4. Sometimes they'll say you have a hyper or a low functioning thyroid because you have high TSH, which is in relation to that hypothalamus gland. So this is a really interesting twist because if you have any type of things going on in your gut, if you maybe are dealing with constipation, if you're dealing with some uh, gas, if you're dealing with bloating, if you're dealing with diarrhea, if you're dealing with even moderate loose bowel movements, there's something funky going on in your gut. And if there's a bacterial overgrowth in your gut, if there's a yeast overgrowth in your gut, if there's a parasite overgrowth in your gut, there are certain toxins that are going to be released by those organisms. The primary toxin that's released is called LPS, lipopolysaccharide. So if you have a bunch of this LPS that's being made by the bacteria, yeast, or parasites, and this kind of travels through your blood, it will actually affect your hypothalamus. And the way that it affects that is it down-regulates your hormone that stimulates your adrenals, and it also down-regulates the hormones that stimulate your thyroid. So sometimes, for some people, they actually might have gut issues that are shutting down the production of thyroid hormone. Not everyone, but in a lot of cases that I see, if we resolve the gut issues, most of the time their thyroid hormones balance out without even addressing it. So there, there's always that possibility and you definitely want to rule that in or rule that out before you commit to being on a medication for your whole life. Because you might, it might just be acting as a band-aid, essentially. Um, so 
the thyroid being part of that very large access outside of you know the, the gut conversation there definitely could be other things that would contribute to the thyroid being you know functioning at a lower level which definitely can be other things like endometriosis or PCOS which are more in relation to the reproductive organs but again for not getting too too complicated um, just understand that if you've been diagnosed with a thyroid issue you do want to rule in or rule out if you have other things going on in your reproductive organs, if you have an overabundance of stress hormones being produced, or if you have gut issues. And that was one thing I was just going to ask you too, um, because I know that being that the system is all connected and we've got the adrenals and the thyroid kind of playing a role, um, is it true that high levels of stress could possibly over the long term affect the uh, thyroid levels as well? Of course, yeah. The so if you're familiar with the, the concept of fight or flight, you know, fight or flight is you're in the woods and you either fight the tiger or you run. So your body is essentially running on adrenaline. The thing is, is we get stuck in these states of fight or flight and it's not always because you're grieving or you're, you're blatantly stressed out or you hate your job. Sometimes it's because you're go, go, go. You're a mom, you're commuting, you're, you're working, you're making dinner, you're getting home, and then you're trying to work out because you want to have a normal life. And you're just all over the place and you're doing a million things all the time. And some women might be in that right now. And there's some women that might have done that for 10 years and now they're burnt out. But... If you have this overabundance of the stress hormones being produced, then yes, it is gonna not only downregulate your thyroid, it's also gonna downregulate your sex hormones. So your estrogen, your progesterone levels are gonna drop, and then you might ex might experience some um, issues with you know just feeling fatigued, but then also even feeling um, like you're having abnormal irregular periods as well. So when we're talking about older women, not necessarily older women, maybe middle-aged women who have gone through this high levels of stress, and then we can kind of see how that kind of spirals downwards. So when we talk about younger girls, we talk about 15, 16 year old girls, they're not necessarily having that level of stress. Would you then correlate that to possibly some type of gut imbalance? Again, I can't, I can't speak for, for all the cases, but that is a very strong possibility. And the reason being, especially nowadays, is the food industry has just changed so much. And we are getting exposed to a lot more um, organisms. We're getting exposed to a lot more bacteria. We're getting exposed to a lot more hormones that are in our meats, in our dairy. Um, we're getting exposed to GMOs, which is still very questionable on how they're actually affecting our, our gut and our, our biochemistry as a whole. So yes, there is a lot of things to consider that could be contributing to gut issues at a young age, which then in turn could be affecting the thyroid. Okay. So now that we kind of briefly talked about what's going on with the thyroid, let's talk about the difference between just a hypothyroid situation versus an actual autoimmune or Hashimoto's uh, response. Okay. So the Hashimoto's versus the hypothyroid, it gets a little tricky, especially when you're dealing with testing, because you can easily look at a thyroid panel and it looks perfect. And what I mean by thyroid panel, I mean TSH, T4, T3. You look at those and everything looks within range and you might be deemed to say, you have a perfectly functioning thyroid. But at the same time, you're sitting there going, I'm tired, I can't lose weight, um, you know, I, I feel cold all the time. And you're, this doesn't make any sense. I don't 
feel 100%. So how is this functioning just, you know, it, it functioning well? That can happen if you have not had your thyroid antibodies tested. So that is not necessarily a routine test that is ran, but the thyroid antibodies, one of them is called the TPO, and then the other one is called the antithyroglobulin um, or thyroglobulin. So those are antibodies that if you measure them, even in someone with a perfect thyroid panel, you might see elevations in those antibodies and that would be the indicator for Hashimoto's. So the major difference between the two is you could have a perfectly fine uh, or perfect level of T4 and T3 with Hashimoto's, but still be feeling those symptoms of fatigue and inability to lose weight, um, not a well-functioning metabolism, etc. Um, but then you can also have abnormal T4, T3 levels and also have Hashimoto's. It really depends on how far progressed the condition is. So it's definitely the way that you treat hypothyroid versus Hashimoto's is very different though. And with something like an autoimmune condition, there's a lot to consider, which we can get into, but if you use something like a, like a Synthroid or a Levothyroxine and think that that's necessarily gonna improve the Hashimoto's or stabilize the autoimmunity, it's not. So you might be helping to promote more of the T4 levels that you might be lacking, but you are never going to resolve. Well, you're not, you're essentially not treating the actual root cause, which I'd like you to then kind of elaborate a little more, you know, what is happening within the body that's causing an autoimmune reaction versus just an actual hypothyroid. Yes. And, and regardless of, of where you're at with your, with your thyroid levels, um, like I said, because they can be completely normal, you know, if you suspect, you know, you're feeling the, the fatigue symptoms, you're feeling the brain fog symptoms, you're feeling the, the, your weight, weight is yo-yoing. If you're feeling those symptoms, then I would highly recommend, you know, being, going into your endocrinologist and feeling comfortable of asking for your TSH, your T4, your T3, and also asking for those antibodies because you do want to rule that in or rule that out so that you can start to feel empowered to take control of your body. And after I kind of explain the root cause of Hashimoto's, you know, you'll you'll have a better understanding to know what lifestyle choices you can make in order to improve your situation. So in reference to autoimmunity, and we're gonna we're specifically uh, talking about Hashimoto's today, but you know autoimmunity, most conditions have a very similar root cause. So we talked a little bit about gut, and when you're when you're dealing with something in the autoimmune world, it has a lot to do with the gut. And the reason why I say this is when you eat food, it goes goes into your mouth, goes through your gastrointestinal system, and a normal part of digestion is that nutrients from your food will pass from your gut into your bloodstream and then go wherever they need to go. So calcium, magnesium, vitamin D, all of those things that we get from our food are supposed to, you know, essentially pass through these little, little tiny ducts in our gastrointestinal system out into the blood. That's a very normal thing. But over time, if the gut becomes compromised, 
This could be because you've been exposed to mercury, because you've been exposed to too many pesticides, because you have eaten high amounts of sugar, because you maybe got parasites when you traveled abroad, or you have a bacterial strain because you've got food poisoning. It could be so many different things that compromise the gut. So those little ducts that allow for the nutrients to pass through, they essentially become bigger because they become damaged. So now you develop what you call leaky gut. So you still go about your life and you eat your food and you know, let's use gluten as an example. You eat, you eat your turkey sandwich on your wheat bread. So you eat that, the gluten gets into your body, it moves through your system, and now these food particles can start to pass from your gut into your bloodstream. So now that gluten particle is in your blood and your immune system goes, what the heck is that? That guy's not supposed to be here, attack him. Anytime your body attacks something or your immune system attacks something, it, it creates a memory because it says, hey, that's a bad guy. If you see him again, attack him because we wanna protect this person. So your body then attacks the gluten, creates the memory, and it pretty much says, if you see that guy again, attack him. So you go about your life and you really like sandwiches, so you eat your gluten again and you eat it again and again and again. And now it gets to a point that your immune system is overfiring, overfiring, overfiring every day, all day. So it's overfiring and it gets to a point that it, it starts to get confused. And part of that confusion is, called, uh, is what you call molecular mimicry. So the proteins that make up the structure of gluten can start to look very similar to the proteins that make up certain organs in your body. So it's almost like the, they put up the face of the bad guy in the police station and they say, if you see that guy, arrest him. But sometimes they bring in the wrong guy because they look alike. It's the same concept that if you keep eating the gluten, your immune system has the memory of it, and then your immune system being so overworked and so fired up that it starts to get confused, now your immune system goes, wait, is that gluten? I think it's gluten. Okay, just be on the safe side, attack him. And it starts to attack your thyroid. So now you have this immune system, your immune system attacking your thyroid, which is not the most well understood in our medical system. There's not a lot of great solutions for autoimmunity with the exception of using different um, doses and different grades of chemotherapy. That's really kind of the options that we have, which is gonna shut down the immune system because they say, oh, it's over, the immune system's over firing, so let's shut it down. I understand the concept, but that is not getting to the root of the issue. The root of the issue is what is going on in this person's gut? Why do they have leaky gut? Do they have bacteria? Do they have parasites? Do they have yeast? Can we resolve it, which you can, um, through the right approaches? And then we need to eliminate the things that have irritated this person's gut in the first place if that's heavy metal toxicity that they've been exposed to, or if that's been inflammatory foods that they've been eating, maybe that's a lot of sugar, maybe that's a lot of bread. So it's a matter of taking a very strategic approach to their diet to take away those environmental or dietary factors that created the damage in the first place, but then also taking into consideration, had they had this overgrowth of some type of uh, pathogenic or um, disease-oriented organism and then get rid of that as well to resolve the gut issue, stabilize the immune system, and then allow the thyroid to heal. I'm glad that you used gluten as the example because that one is pretty controversial in terms of 
thyroid and, and the effect that it could be having with autoimmunity. And if anybody wants to learn more a little bit about food allergies and how that works, we do have a previous podcast on that. So we do talk a little bit more about different foods that could be posing a reaction. So if you'd like to listen to that one, it's on our podcast as well. But so we talked about kind of removing some of those foods. What else can people do? You know, Well, I it- guess I should say too, I didn't use gluten as a hypothetical example either. If you really do start to get into the literature of some of the triggers, um, dietary triggers for um, specifically Hashimoto's, but also diabetes type 1, which is an attack on the pancreas, then you will see that the protein structure of the gluten is very similar to the protein structure of both the islet cells of the pancreas as well as the cells that make up the thyroid. So there has been correlation specifically with gluten and Hashimoto's and diabetes type 1. So if you are currently diagnosed with either one of those conditions, the gluten is something I would highly recommend removing from the diet. Yeah, and I know that we like to give people kind of some tips if they are suffering with maybe one of these conditions. So, you know, removing gluten, but what are some other maybe uh, tips that you have that maybe certain foods that people could avoid or Mm -hmm. even types of testing, you know, to address the gut or address some of these underlying issues? Yeah, so some of the top dietary things that you can do um, is obviously avoiding the gluten, but avoiding some of the other inflammatory foods. Um, Cow-based dairy is is another one. Um, Unfortunately, our bodies don't do well. We can't digest it very well um, when you're talking about, you know, cow milk and cow yogurt. But something that some people usually do well with is um, using like sheep or goat based products. And typically it's because they have higher levels of cholesterol in them, which is very um, similar to human breast milk. So if you are currently, you know, doing dairy, doing gluten, I would say, you know, try to remove those from the diet, but then opting for maybe goat and sheep products. Um, The other thing too is if you have had long-standing Hashimoto's, I would really uh, recommend starting to maybe even eliminate other grains like your rices, your quinoas. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes those uh, protein structures can also look very similar to the gluten. So your body would have an equal inflammatory response to the, um, you know, to the rice and the quinoas as the same it would with the gluten. And I guess I should say this too, is I'm talking about, you know, reactions, inflammatory reactions, et cetera. That does not mean you're going to be doubled over in pain. It doesn't mean you're going to have diarrhea after you eat these things. Like I know a lot of times we're kind of like, I don't know if I should cut out gluten. I hear all these people cutting out gluten, but I don't have any digestive issues and I don't have any issues when I eat it. So why would I cut it out? You're not always going to have those types of reactions. You might be having a internal, um, an internal inflammatory reaction that might manifest as you feel a little achy the next day or you feel a little puffy the next day or maybe you get um, like a rash or or some hives or or something like that but it doesn't mean your throat's closing up it doesn't mean you're going to be doubled over in pain so you need to look for more of the the subtle reactions that your body might be having so um and then i would say outside of those uh primary primary inflammatory foods, when we're talking very specifically about Hashimoto's, um, you have to actually be careful with the cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables are amazing and they're fantastic for detoxification, 
but when you do have um, Hashimoto's, you actually need to make sure that you eat any cruciferous vegetables, which we'll give you a list for. Um, you have to eat them cooked because once you cook them, it removes the goitrogens. Goitrogens are known to enlarge the thyroid and create what you call goiter, which is an enlarged thyroid. So um, you really want to be conscious of making sure that you're not consuming those in the raw form until your thyroid is healed. Great. Yeah, so we can definitely send out, uh, anybody who's listening, if you'd like to opt in, we can send out our elimination list as well as the list of cruciferous vegetables. So again, if somebody is struggling with this, what, what would you recommend as their next step if they're really looking to get to the root cause and tr really treating this? Yeah, definitely. Um, so some of you might be working with you know, a, a, a functional medicine physician, you might be working with an endocrinologist currently. So it's really being able to get the right testing is really first and foremost. Um, if you are wondering if you've been properly diagnosed and curious about the possibility of having Hashimoto's, then you definitely need to work with a physician that is willing to run a very comprehensive thyroid panel, which will include those thyroid antibodies. And we will make sure to uh, add this as a resource to the podcast, and we'll give you the full list of the different things that we run with our thyroid panel, just so you know and, and can have it as a visual if you do wanna go in and, and request that from your physician or endocrinologist. So it's a matter of if you are curious or you feel like you are experiencing the fatigue, you're experiencing the inability to lose weight, you're experiencing the brain fog, then um, the first place to start is figure out, do you have elevated antibodies or do you have a thyroid problem at all? If you are diagnosed with Hashimoto's and you, you know, you've been diagnosed for a period of time, then you do really want to explore the possibility of do you have something going on in your gastrointestinal system or and or do you have food allergies that are exacerbating the Hashimoto's or exacerbating the uh, autoimmune attack because there's a lot of inflammation that is happening within your body. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, we could probably talk about this topic all day because it's so diverse and vast and there are so many different reasons why this could possibly happen and, you know, just kind of giving you an overview and being able to learn more and, and be able to ask the right questions. And one of the things that we definitely do want to offer to you for listening is setting up a free 15-minute strategy call with myself as the nutritionist and kind of talking to you a little more, you know, do you have maybe more hormonal symptoms? Is it PMS? Is it, um, you know, more uh, exacerbated men menopause symptoms? Um, you know, are you having those high stress levels? What really is going on and what really can you do, um, you know, to empower yourself to maybe find, seek out a functional medicine practitioner or another doctor uh, that can really help you get to the root cause and feeling better and definitely um, regulating those thyroid levels, but also really setting yourself up for success in the future because it can, over the long term, cause some more serious uh, issues and things down the line too. Yeah, and I would say the primary thing that I see is once you have one autoimmune condition, because obviously the immune system is very imbalanced, typically it leads to more, more than one autoimmune condition. And, you know, with the the autoimmune conditions, you know, there's something like Hashimoto's, which is, you know, uh, fairly, I don't want to say easy, but it, it's something that you can recover from in a shorter amount of time. 
And then when you're dealing with other autoimmune conditions like lupus or like MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, like those are harder to to recover. They're harder to manage the symptoms. Um, I'm not saying impossible by any means, but um, you know they're more complex types of autoimmune cases. Yeah, so it's definitely important to you know if you are suffering with this, whether you've been diagnosed or not, really finding out what's going on and making sure that you are you know giving yourself the best possible outcome. Well, we thank you so much for your time and we hope you enjoyed it. We hope it was a great amount of information, giving you a lot of clarity around um, you know, how to take those next steps to get your health to exactly where you want it to be. Uh, also, just as a reminder, please feel free to opt in and we will send you over all those awesome bonuses for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.